Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you because of your presence. We thank you because of the great and many beautiful things you are doing in our midst. We thank you for life. We thank you for strength. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your spirit. As we go into the message of this day, O Lord, we pray that you will open the eye of our inner man. I will understand the liberty that you have brought us into. In Christ Jesus our Lord we pray. Hallelujah. We want to thank God for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord again. It is a privilege. Hallelujah. The topic we're discussing is liberated by the word. Liberated by the word. And our text was taken from Galatians chapter 5. Actually, this topic props up quickly from Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Can somebody read it for us? Just look at it from one or two translations. Galatians 5.1 Hallelujah. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Amen. Can I listen to it from King James Version? That is the New International Version. Yes? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Praise the Lord. The liberty that Christ has given to us. Stand firm in it. Praise the Lord. You know, these are texts comes from the book of Galatians. And um, some theologians regard the school of Galatians as the magna carta for the church. The final article of instruction. Praise the Lord. Unlike the letter that was written to the Ephesians to the Thessalonians and to the Corinthians. The Apostle Paul was not dealing with the issues within the administration of the church or the conduct of Christians in terms of their personal life. He gave a doctrinal sermon. Hallelujah. And why? You see, unlike Thessalonians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, and the Corinthians, Galatia was not just a church. It wasn't a church. 
Galatia was a region. It was a province. Just like you talk of East Central States. Hallelujah. So Galatia was not a church like the church in Ephesus. No. Galatia was a Roman province. In fact, it was a nation that used to be called Gaul. Those were the people that occupied the place when the Greeks began to interact with them. They took up the name Galatia. And Paul actually ran his ministry in southern Galatia. And there are cities that were mentioned in scriptures in which he founded churches in. He founded churches in Antioch. We remember Lystria, where somebody was resurrected, praise the Lord, and a few other cities. Since that's not the subject of our discussion, but I need to give this preamble. The area that we call Galatia now is in central Turkey. And the people of Galatia are now Muslims. Praise the Lord. That is the background of what we are going to discuss. In Antioch, which is a city in Galatia, not the Antioch that St. Paul came from, which is in Syria. In Antioch, there was this synagogue that was quite prominent. And actually St. Paul ministered in that synagogue. There were Jews who became Christians. And those people took it as their responsibility. Only God knows who sent them. To go to the rest of the churches in Galatia. And begin to spread another doctrine. And that doctrine was that. You will believe in Christ. But you must fulfill the Mosaic laws. Praise the Lord. You will believe in Christ. That is fine. But you have to fulfill the Mosaic laws and the rites of Judaism. You must be circumcised if you are going to be acceptable to God. And it was spreading through Galatia. So when you see the letter to the Galatians, as small as it is, it is a very important book that determines the destiny of the church. And today we are going to look at an aspect of what St. Paul was teaching. Praise the Lord. The reason it is very pertinent is because the battle was between the law and the gospel of grace. And I want to say that this conflict is still in the minds of many today. Many Christians who have become Christians wonder whether it should be the law or it should be by grace. Praise the Lord. I dare say that many accept that salvation is by grace, but living for God must be by the law. Hallelujah. First of all, the law. Why was the law given? 
The law was given primarily for two reasons. The first reason the law was given is to show us what God expects as a standard of conduct for his people. That was the first reason the law was given. This is what I expect of you. You who want to be my own. Praise the Lord. So that was why the law was given. The second reason that the law was given is to show us that by our own strength we are incapable of meeting God's standards. That was the second reason the law was given. Let's quickly look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Praise the Lord. The law was a schoolmaster. Uh, you know, these days, you people, the young people of these days don't understand what a schoolmaster is. Hallelujah. I also didn't understand it in the initial stages of my development. I happened to have gone to a very good school in Ibadan, where they are like what is happening now. Until the Civil War. During the Civil War, I encountered the schoolmaster. Praise the Lord. In my village school, the headmaster would stand at the gates. Assembly was to be at 7.30. And all of you who came late will receive some hot chastisements. That was the schoolmaster. Praise the Lord. Today, if they came your child, you will go with a frowning face and say, Why did you beat him? We feared the headmaster. He put the fear of authority into us. Praise the Lord. And so the law was a schoolmaster. Tooth for tooth. Eye for eye. Leg for leg. If you committed murder, you will be killed. That's the law. Praise the Lord. It was a schoolmaster, and because it entered into the psyche of man, many of us still relate to God as a schoolmaster. And that is what we want to resolve today. Praise the Lord. The law was given so that man will realize that he cannot meet God's standards. Because the law was like a beautifully designed SUV. I don't know which is the best of the SUVs now. A fine Jeep. But this Jeep lacked an engine. There was no engine put in it. And so, whoever would move this jeep on a journey would have to push it with his own strength. Imagine where you had to push a Mercedes jeep to Abuja. 
How far will you go? Praise the Lord. But those who designed it, designed it so that you will know that without the engine, you cannot push, move the jeep. Uh, the jeep cannot move you to Abuja. Do we understand? It's a beautiful car. It's a perfect car. But there is no engine. It was a deliberate design of God. Praise the Lord. Under the law, there was no engine. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no man could have been saved. And it is natural that if you push such a car for a distance, you will get tired and you will abandon it. So you see the children of Israel continually abandoning God. Because let me tell you the truth. It is better to trek to Abuja than to have the body of pushing a bus to that place. Praise the Lord. And that was the law. I will go to grace. Grace is not what people commonly think it is. And that is the problem. It is the definition of grace that makes some Christians think that grace is inadequate. It is our concept of grace. But we must realize that God is no fool. And the God who brought forth grace, brought it forth as an intervention. You have heard of federal government interventions, have you not? When banks want to fail, they pump money into the bank. It's called what? An intervention. So grace was an intervention. And therefore, God cannot in his wisdom bring an intervention that is worse than the former. It is impossible. Hallelujah. But many of us have regarded grace as unmerited favor. Unmerited mercy. Grace is not just unmerited mercy. It is beyond unmerited mercy. And let me tell us that grace was paid for with blood. Hallelujah. What we call grace today was purchased with blood. And Jesus Christ could not have shed his blood for something that is weak. That is for those who want to live by the law. Grace, therefore, is an unmerited divine plan to save man and to keep him right before God. Hallelujah. Grace is an unmerited divine plan to save man and to keep him right before God. Grace was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God. Let us look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. God, who has hundred times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, 
hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Praise the Lord. You will find the definition of grace in verse 3. Verses 1 and 2 speak to the person of Christ. His position. And who he really represents. Verse 3 begins to speak of the works of Christ. Which is the good news of grace. Hallelujah. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. That is the sun. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification of for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ paid with his blood so that he can cleanse us. And after he has cleansed us by his mighty and powerful word, he sustains us. Hallelujah. That is grace. I know that many of us begin to wonder what then is human responsibility in this salvific power of God. We shall attend to that. In any relationship, I mean marital relationship, there are two persons, true or false. Even in homosexual relationship, there are two persons, true or false. Praise the Lord. Let me ask a question. Is it possible for a man to marry a woman who shuns his advances and ignores his marriage proposal? Is it possible? It's not possible. If that is not possible, why then do we expect God to accept us as we are while rejecting him and his intervention? If it is impossible for two to become one unless they agree, why do we expect God to accept us the way we want to be? Why we are rejecting the way he wants us to be. Let's ponder on that question. Let's think deep into it. Many of us say God is a God of love. Therefore he will not destroy sinners. Did God say so? Has he behaved so? He told us that Sodom and Gomorrah he did what? He wiped out. The world of Noah, he did what? He wiped out. He will need to apologize to those people. If in our age, we reject an intervention like grace. Praise the Lord. 
the blood of Jesus Christ provides the beginning of the work of grace. The shedding of that blood brings you, when you receive it, to the point of reconciliation with God. Immediately you receive that blood as having been shed on your behalf. And you acknowledge it. You have brought yourself into the program of God's redemption. That is the point of reconciliation. From that point on, an engine is put into the SUV. Hallelujah. An engine is inserted into the SUV. And that engine will drive you to your destination. That engine is no less than the person we meet in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Let's quickly read it. Yes. In whom you also trusted, after that they heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Praise the Lord. Immediately you believe. An official ownership stamp is stamped on you as God's property. A seal is a legal instrument that shows ownership. Ownership of a document. Ownership of property. Hallelujah. You see, if both of us go into a contract, that contract is null and void until there is a stamp that is put on it. That stamp is the authority of the federal government as a witness declaring that that document is legally binding. Praise the Lord. And so every Pope that is ordained is given a signet ring that bears his name. And wherever that ring goes, it is the Pope that is going. That is the seal of the Roman Catholic Church. The federal government has a seal. And any document that emanates from the office of the presidency without the seal of the federal government is null and void. And so when you receive the blood and you acknowledge the blood, heaven puts a seal on you. And that seal is no less a person than the Holy Spirit. From that time on, you are no longer your own. I want to tell you a story. It's a true life story. I was discussing the issues of the end times. You know, this long uh, absence of sighting moon gave us civil servants a very long rest. Hallelujah. And as doctors, it also gave our patients rest. So on Friday, we were running an antenatal clinic, which otherwise used to be very busy. And in that clinic, we didn't have many patients. So I sat down with my younger colleagues, and we were just discussing. And we were discussing the events of the end time. And at a point, they became very frightened. Because when I told them 
about the individualized number Nigeria has given to each one of us. The only thing that remains now is to put the barcode of 666 on it. And it will be the document of the Antichrist. That number cannot be borne by any other person. You alone. Once you die, the number dies. And the BVM number is going to be integrated into that system. In fact, when I listened to that national identification number, I feared a great fear. It was an Igbo man who was saying it. He's supposed to be a Christian. He says without that number, you can't open a bank account. Without that number, you cannot pay tax. Without that number, you cannot even send your children to school. In fact, you are no longer a Nigerian. I hope you've gotten your numbers. Because I've gotten mine already. Hallelujah. With that number, they can trace criminals. There are many good things that will come out of it. But finally, with that number, the Antichrist will control everyone who accepts his code. And with a microchip in your hands, on your forehead, that number can be read. Look, brethren, the world has gone far. If you listen to the Dallas killing of, of a policeman, the killer was neutralized by a robot. A mechanized policeman went to him and killed him. Imagine where the Antichrist has mechanized policemen moving around. The first thing he will insert on them is a scanner. And that will scan for your number. Once you don't have number, will you argue with a robot? Will the robot listen to you? It will just finish you there. Praise the Lord. The world has gone very far in preparing for this. You know, the thing with the devil is that the devil perfectly imitates anything God does. And so that Antichrist is the equivalent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. While we are talking of salvation by Christ now, there is a, a destruction by an Antichrist coming. And so when we discussed it to a point, and these young men became fearful, I knew it was an opportunity to bring in the gospel of grace. Hallelujah. We need not fear the Antichrist if we are living under grace. Because God will take care of his own. Praise the Lord. You see, the whole process of grace is to bring us to the point where we can become a living sacrifice. You are saved, the Holy Spirit is put in you, and you become a living sacrifice. A car driven by an engine. The engine is the Holy Spirit. Do you think the Holy Spirit abiding in you will allow you to enjoy sin? Do you think that? Why are we looking for the law? The law is weak. When the Holy Spirit is there, you are turned into a living sacrifice. A car with an engine. Hallelujah. You may step aside to commit sin, but you will not have peace. He will not let you stay. Eventually, I will show you the relationship between the word of God and the operations of the Holy Spirit. And then we can have the full picture of what grace does. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is that engine in the SUV. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 14. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Jesus Christ was giving us an offering so that the righteous requirements of the law, I told you that the law was to show us what God expects us to be. But it was without an engine. Now, in order that the righteous requirements of the law will become manifest in our lives, we were given the Spirit of God so that we will no longer live in our sinful nature. Praise the Lord. That Holy Spirit is that engine we have been looking for. He is the power to overcome sin. He is also the authority to operate as a son of God. Hallelujah. To them that receive him, gave him power. To do what? To become the sons of God. What is that power? The Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. He is the transformer. And as long as you receive Jesus, if you receive Jesus this moment, you are marked with that seal. It is different from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There are two different things. The baptism is filling up. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the seed that transforms you from being a natural person to being born again. Praise the Lord. We must get this very clear in our minds. And when we get it very clear, we will no longer be wondering whether we should preach, don't paint or paint, don't wear trousers or wear trousers, don't do this, don't do that. My brethren, when the word of God is in you and the spirit of God is in you, no one will teach you what you ought to do because you will do it. If you do not do it, you will not have peace. Each time you kneel down to pray, something will speak to you. My son, my daughter, you are not living right. Praise the Lord. You cannot be living in sin. You cannot be committing adultery, collecting bribe, cheating people, and tell me you are walking in grace. You have fallen from grace. You were once there, but you fallen no. You need to be renewed. Praise the Lord. And so when you look around and you say, ah, but this person is speaking in tongues, but he's committing sin. He has done what? Oh, that good. Praise the Lord. And I will show you a biblical example that looks like what we are talking about. Let's just look at Luke chapter 18 verse 9. Not perfectly what we want, but shows us a little bit of what we need. Luke 18 verse 9. Yes. Some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. 
God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Read verse 14. 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the CD of this tax collector. And compare it with your own CD. I mean the spiritual CV. The tax collector stood and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers. Do you steal government money? It's better than you. Evildoer. Adulterer. Do you commit adultery? Recently, I found myself in a class WhatsApp. The WhatsApp, you know, is a device in your phone. And my class, my secondary school class, we're almost 40 years we left secondary school. Oh no, yeah, we left secondary school, praise the Lord. Almost 40 years. In that WhatsApp, many of we have a real admiral, we have judges, we have professors, doctors of different designation. We started regathering together in that WhatsApp to communicate. Our long lost classmates, we are bringing our pictures together again. Praise the Lord. And many of them were looking very old. Hallelujah. A number of them were grandfathers. But there's something I want to tell you about them. In that applique wall where we paste things, some people at that age were posting pornography. Pornography. And so I said, eh, is that, is that it, eh? So I started posting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we started posting the gospel of Jesus Christ, many other Christians arose and started posting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And then somebody got very angry and attacked the person who was posting pornography. So the Pharisee was saying, I'm not an adulterer. Some of us are adulterers. We don't do it openly. We do it on pornography. Or even like this tax collector. Then he continues with his CV and says, I fast twice a week. How many of us fast, fast twice a week? That Pharisee is better than you. Praise the Lord. I give a tenth of all I get. Uh-uh. Some of us exclude our house rent before giving God a tenth. The Pharisee says, all I get, I give a tenth. Even before the taxman comes, I will remove your own. Praise the Lord. So is he not better than you? The tax collector said, God, 
Abu Moyenjo. My spirit has been telling me that something is not right inside it. Please have mercy. Do you know what Jesus said? The person who is going to judge you and me. Do you know what he said? Read what he said in verse 14. He says, I tell you, this tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. Praise the Lord. We have to worship God as God instructed that worship should be given. There was a man, a very zealous man. His name was Uzia. I guess if I was a Jew, it would have been my namesake. Hallelujah. Because if you remove the last letters I put, it becomes Susa. Even though Uzia is an abridged form of my name. Praise the Lord. And so, this Uzia was a very holy man. And the ark was being carried to his destination. The, the ox stumbled and the ark, the ark of God wanted to fall on the ground. This holy thing. Do you know what Uzia did? He stretched out his hand to help God. Praise the Lord. And God killed him there. It was after they had reconsidered and realized that Uzziah was not a Levite and had no business touching the ark. Look, there was a day a nurse was assisting me in the theater. And she carried her gloves and touched a material that was on sterile infusion that I wanted to use. I almost used the knife on her. Praise the Lord. That day I understood what Uzziah did. How dare you? So when you replace God's righteous standards with your own, you are behaving like Uzziah. And the only thing that will happen to you is destruction. God's righteous standard for this age is the gospel of grace where the word works with the spirit to keep you saved and the blood brings you into the relationship. It is an intervention, not an unmerited favor. Praise the Lord. You see, as we were having that discussion in the, in the office about the living sacrifice, you know, the commandment of the living sacrifice is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. One of my colleagues a consultant obstetrician also, told us a story about something that happened during the war. You know, in the village, if you grew up in the village, there are cows that are sacred. Is it, was it in anybody's village except my own? Praise the Lord. Is there anybody who, just wave your hand, you've ever heard of a, aha, very guilty company. Praise the Lord. Ephialosi has power to enter your house and drink the drinking water you kept for your family. You know, in those days, we go to the stream to fetch the water. Ephialosi, if you are warmly, you will only try and uh, cajole it to 
In fact, in those days, when he rushes into our compound, all of us run into the room because it is huge. So there was this man in this village, and that time I go to you. There was hunger. People were eating lizard. In fact, in front of me, they boiled lizard in my house. Praise the Lord. And somebody ate it. I refused to eat that one. The only one I agreed to eat was uh, Eke. Which is an abomination also in my place. Praise the Lord. So, for anything people catch, they eat. That was the extent of the hunger. So, this man found a fiallosy and looked to the right and to the left and nobody was there. And he slaughtered the thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And he brought a huge chunk of meat to this consultant's father. And the man knew he didn't have any cow in his house. <laughs> so he asked him whether he had killed the lion in the bush. I said, what now? Praise the Lord. The young doctor's father told him, I won't partake in this one. I go around, come on, Oguru. So the man went home and ate the Ephialosi with his family. Many years after, his son started rising in business and became wealthy. The son of the man, Lily Ephialosi. I am not saying that Alosi is anything. But I want to tell you, after I ate a and the thing hasn't killed me yet. Praise the Lord. What I'm telling you is that Satan mimics anything that God does. And so many years after, this boy went to Lagos and prospered. And where he was living, he started dating a girl. Our girlfriend and another man. And one day, they were in the beer parlor. And this other boy broke the bottle and sliced this boy's throat just the way this wave. And the boy died. And from the time that boy died, the family, it was like the bulbs were switched off. Or this generator went off. And you don't hear my voice again. The family went into a spiral decline. Praise the Lord. If you are Satan's own, don't rise against him. Because all you broken bottle will be gone. Praise the Lord. Don't rise against him. You dare not. But those of us who are Christians, if you go to my place where Eke is sacred, if you sing Eke that's very sluggish animal will just move with great speed into the bush. Oh, yeah, Christian, there is another protection on you. Praise the Lord. So, what am I talking about? That cow dedicated to the idol was infested by the spirit of the idol. And the spirit of that idol took vengeance in due season. When you receive God, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has a mission. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14. It doesn't just come to decorate you. He has a mission. Ephesians 1 14. Yes. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Praise the Lord. Where is the destiny in that scripture? Where are you journeying to? I don't know how you read your Bible. If you are reading that scripture, that's verse 14. Where is the Holy Spirit taking you to? The time of your redemption. When you will be removed from this world. And be permanently God's. Praise the Lord. He will not be removed from you. Until you are redeemed. That Holy Spirit. Is the engine of your salvation. The purchase of blood. You see. The Holy Spirit. And the blood. Can be compared to what happened during the Ebola crisis. Those doctors. Who looked after Ebola patients. What did they wear? Protective what? Gear. Praise the Lord. You may wonder why didn't God give the Holy Spirit at the time the law was given. The reason is very simple. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Always created evil. And so for the Holy Spirit to come into man, he needed protective what? Gear. Because he is too holy to behold evil. If he beholds evil in you, he will kill you. Because he is holy. That's why he's called Holy Spirit. He can't behold your evil. So for him to enter into you, he needed protective uh, gear. Praise the Lord. And what is that protective gear? The blood. The blood. That speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Each time he wants to kill you, he says, mercy, 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 mercy. And so we can cohabit with the Holy Spirit now. That is the generation of grace. Hallelujah. That is the generation of grace. But there is a human responsibility. God created you in his image. And he gave you the ability to accept him or reject him. You have the authority to accept God's deliverance or to reject it. Hallelujah. If federal government brings an intervention and says, I want to help all businessmen, they have the authority to accept the money or to refuse it. So number one, your responsibility, you must accept the blood. Because without the blood, the spirit cannot come in. Praise the Lord. And without the spirit, the intervention will fail. You must accept the blood. Praise the Lord. The next thing, you must deal with your intellect. You must reprogram yourself. Let's go to Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2. Do not be conformed anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Somebody asked me this question from this church. Since we now live by grace, why do we insist that people should learn the Ten Commandments? And the answer is in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Your mind requires an intellectual encounter. Praise the Lord. When that intellectual encounter occurs and you are moved from the pattern that you used to know in the world into the pattern or you begin to desire the pattern that God wants you to have, the Holy Spirit will now move in you to do the work. Without that transformation, your mind will resist the spirits. And the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. The Holy Spirit can only go as far as you allow him to go. So your mind requires that intellectual exercise of knowing the will of God. Of knowing the person of the Holy Spirit. Of knowing where he is leading you to. And that is why we preach the word today. To have an encounter with your mind. And once your mind is adjusted to the side of God, the Spirit of God will drive, cruise you. Hallelujah. To your destination, which is the place of redemption. He does not fail. He does not do what? Failure is not in his dictionary. Because he is the Almighty. And you heard what he said. He can do all things. Praise the Lord. He doesn't fail. He had to remind you today. I am the Lord God Almighty. What is that sin that is powerful and difficult for you? Bring it to me. Once you have adjusted and programmed your mind. With the words of the scriptures. And you ask the Spirit to give you the strength. The anointing is released for salvation and victory. Praise the Lord. Do we understand the gospel of grace? Do we like grace? Do we prefer the law? Praise the Lord. But you must be agreed with grace for grace to operate in your life. There are certain fringe benefits in walking under grace. Brethren, I want to tell us that Jesus Christ did not live under grace. I hope we know. He lived under the law. But because inside him was the excess of the Holy Spirit, he was able to operate this human body successfully until he got to the cross. I hope we know that. He didn't operate under grace. Because grace needed the blood. And it was on that cross that he purchased the intervention for us. Praise the Lord. Now Luke chapter 10. He wanted the apostles to see a little bit of what he was preparing them for. Just a little. Tiny way. 
Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Lord, I give unto you power to drag on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are risen in heaven. Praise the Lord. The first benefits of grace. You see, he gave them a test of grace. The Holy Spirit wasn't in them, but under his authority as the exact replica of God, he says, I give you power. And so the apostles went forth. And when they went forth, they exercised great authority and came back to report to Jesus. And when they had finished that report, Jesus told them, you have two things. Do we know what those two things are? Number one, I have put the kingdom of Satan under your authority. That's number one. But don't rejoice. So when grace is operating in you, you overcome the devil. Praise the Lord. The measure to which you are successful is the measure to which you have allowed the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. Don't tell me the devil has been chasing me in, 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 in the dream. Because it is the level to which you have permitted the Holy Spirit to be operational. Praise the Lord. But he says that that's not the more important thing. That the more important thing is this. Somebody read again the second part. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The first and most important thing is that your name is written in heaven. And so heaven has dispatched the Holy Spirit to put a seal on you. That is the first and most important thing. Praise the Lord. And when you go through the scriptures in Matthew 6, 30 to 33, you see what God talks about the provisions he has made for you. He says, those things that the Gentiles are pursuing, I, God, know that you need them. Imagine where God knows that you need a car. I'll say a car is a luxury. Your business needs a car. God knows you need it. But he says, there's something I want you to do. Praise the Lord. Then, I will read this one. Psalm 107 is a collection of testimonies of what God does in the life of his children. I will not read the whole of it. I will just read verse 10 to 14. Praise the Lord. 107 verse 10 says, Some sat in darkness and in the darkest gloom Prisoners suffering in iron chains. Iron satanic chain. You want to rise and you fall in business. You are under a chain. A chain stops you from going beyond the length of that chain. Some of us 
are under chains. When you are more succeeding, you fail. When everybody has favor, when you go to a wedding feast and they are serving food, they will always jump your table. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> For they had rebelled against the word of the Lord and despised the counsel of the Most High. Verse 12. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. No divine helpers. No divine helpers. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. Hallelujah. He brought them out of darkness. And the deepest gloom. And broke away their chains. Let them give praise to God. For his unfailing love. And his wonderful deeds. For the children of men. Praise the Lord. Are you in darkness? Do you have chains? Do you have limitations? Is the word impossible your next door neighbor? The gospel of grace is knocking at the door. Hallelujah. You know, words paint an image for us in the mind. The summary of everything that is said is for us to have an image. A mental image. Hallelujah. And there is no mental image that is more effectively painted than the image that is painted with your natural language. And so if you are a Yoruba man, the clearest image will be a Yoruba image. Do we understand? If you are an Igbo man, the clearest image you get is when it is said in Igbo. There is an imagery in the scripture that I want to share in Igbo. Maugua, abu ihe sinano Jehovah pota. Yaburu, yaburu ihe aru. Nihinandina soprum kamga sopro. Ma aga oha ihefu bundine lalim. This is from First Samuel chapter two, verse thirty to thirty-one in Hebrew. I didn't create those words, so I copied it from the Hebrew Bible. Nyabulihe aru. Nyabulugini ihalo. Nihinandina soprum kamga soporu. Ma agam aga oha ihefu. Bondine lelin. Let us pray. What determines your actions and your choices? Your desire or the word of God? Think of it now. When you have a decision to make, when you have a choice to make, what is the basis 
the word of God that transforms you into God's standard or your own desires. Think back when you had the last decision to make. The last choice. What determined it? Begin to talk to God. Will you receive God's intervention in your life? Are you a Christian? You have put on the engine of your car, but you prefer to push it with your hands. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to do His ministry in your life? Will you bring before Him those needs, those challenges, those problems and allow Him to speak into your life the power of sonship? Begin to talk to God. Is the blood of Jesus Christ applied in your hearts? And are you living with that blood? Without the blood, the Holy Spirit cannot operate. Have you been reconciled to Jesus? Is the blood speaking in you? Today is a good day to welcome and be reconciled. Begin to talk to God. Tell him, Father, I want to experience this thing that I have heard. I want to be made new. I want the Holy Spirit to be in me. I want to be led by the Spirit. Because you said that as many as are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. This is a time for decision making. The law or God's intervention in grace. Your self-will. The will of your power or God's will. The blood or your own righteousness. Talk to God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. I'm going to say two prayers. Deep inside your heart, you have a witness that you need the blood of Jesus Christ to come in and reconcile you with God. I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I want Jesus to come into my life and make me new. I want Jesus to come into my heart. You will identify yourself. That is your human responsibility. I will pray with you. Jesus, come into my life and make me new. Is there any such person in the house who will bring you before the Lord? Praise the Lord.
I want Jesus to put me back in the path of life and lead me by his spirit. I'm going to pray for this second category. It is true I've given my life to Christ, but I need the spirit of God to operate in my life. I will not ask you to raise your hand. Put your hand upon your chest and we shall pray. I need Jesus to put me back in line. I need the Spirit to guide me now. Put your hand on your chest and we shall pray. Heavenly Father, when we agree concerning a thing, you bring it to pass. Upon the heart of each of these ones that have placed their hands upon their chests. Heavenly King, send forth your endeavoring anointing, even the spirit of grace, to raise them from the place where they have fallen and to stand them again in you. Uphold them, O Heavenly Lord, and give them victory. In the challenges and the path that they tread. In Christ Jesus our Lord we pray.